Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor Joaquin G. Molina invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. I give you thanks this morning that we find ourselves in your house, in the place where your glory dwells, in the place where your word resounds, Father God, into the hearts of men and women who desire to come to this place to receive and to eat the bread of life, Lord. You said men shall not eat solely of bread alone, Father God, but from every word that proceeds out of your mouth, Lord. We want that to nourish our lives. We want that because we know that what a man eats, that is what he becomes, Lord. And we want to reflect your glory and we want our, our inward man to be totally decked out like Jesus Christ so that our physical man can take on that manifestation and that we would resemble more the character of Christ than Ricky Martin and P. Diddy and and Puff Daddy and all the other wannabes that are on this world, Father God. You clothe us with your glory. Adorn us with your favor, Lord. Give us the righteousness of Christ to change nations, to stand before kings, to speak the word of God. We pray that your word would not return void this morning. We pray that your word, Father God, would make us solid, not only believers, but disciples, Lord. Men and women sold out for the cause of Christ, not only a couple hours a week, but 24-7, wherever we go, that we are the light of the world, we're the salt of the earth, we're the pattern to be followed after, and we're not following after this world. We pray that your word would produce this in us, Lord, and through us, O oh God, that we can be legitimate children of the Most High God, legitimate sons and daughters, that we might know our God and be known by Him and reflect His glory and His glory alone and not the glory of this world. We pray that your word would be seeds planted in our hearts this morning and that the harvest would be fruitful and give forth glory to you and you alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We were speaking of the devil's specialty on Wednesday. And that's why I want you to get that message. And I want you to meditate on what the Bible says is our world-changing call to fill that which is void. We're the ones that define everything. Things don't define us. We're the ones that produce. We're the fruitful ones. We're not sitting back receiving the produce of this world. We are the ones that are being fruitful and giving this world definition to reality and everything God has done. But the devil's perfection... We have an adversary. We have one guy who seriously, he has a serious intent to fulfill his desire. And his desire is to rebel, rebel against God completely. He's not just going to do it a little bit. He wants to rebel totally. He wants to disobey on everything. And so his work, we see in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, is the evidence of a place without form and desolate this is what the devil does to everything he gets his hands on and he got his hands for a period of time upon the earth he was able to run the earth he says this world is mine I can give it to whomever I please if you follow me and so we see that in Genesis 1 2 that the earth say with me was without form that means no definition The devil does a good work in, in redefining everything. He calls adultery a love affair. 
That's not what a love affair is. Adultery is an abomination. It's something that, that will bring true ruin to your life. It's just a matter of time. So he comes to redefine everything. And he wants to render everything without definition. We said on Wednesday that this is a bottle of water. It's not a bottle of urine. Because if it was a bottle of urine, we would discard it. It would be waste. But because we define it as water, we could drink it. And it's a favorable thing to drink. Lest we find ourselves drinking urine. And I, I'm a little bit vulgar because some of us are already not drinking urine. We're eating Crapola. We're nourishing ourselves from the things in this world that were not meant for our consumption. And a lot of the music and a lot of the television that we consume, a lot of the places we go, we're sitting there eating the Crapola sandwich. And, and we're not to feast on these things. We're not to go to crap parties to eat what the world wants us to eat. I went to go shopping for one of the missionaries last week to get him some shirts, to get him some pants for our brother Oscar who's in, in Nicaragua. And when I went into the men's department, it was all feminine clothing. This world wants men to dress like women. And I said, I can't believe this. It's disgusting. You can thank Michael Jackson and Ricky Martin for that. They will give themselves over to wear things that a man should not wear. Um, I love that commercial. I think, I think it's a Bud Light commercial where the guy's wearing skinny pants. You know, He's like, brother, you can't have the heavy stuff. You're a wimp. You're a sissy. And God did not make man to be effeminate. The Bible says effeminate men will not go into the kingdom. And this doesn't mean we're not refined men. It's that we're not feminine men. We don't go around dressing in women's clothes. Um... I went to the women's section, and it was all manly. And they want women to dress like men. They want women to smoke cigars and wear ties and, and, and walk like a cowboy. That's not what you've been called to do. You're a woman. You should be effeminate. You should be tender. You should, that's the Spirit of God will produce this in you. You'll see how, how the devil and his unclean spirit makes women out of men. And then the, the women, they get on a, they call them a butch mentality. They're going to be, I'm tough and I'm so tough I'll go out and even get a woman. And I'll be a man for a woman. And that's not the calling. So we see the devil is removing the form of all things created by God. And the second thing he do, does, say with me, void. void. The earth was without form and void. And this word void speaks of desolate. People who cannot have communion. People that cannot stand to be together. People that cannot keep a marriage together. They cannot keep a friendship. They have no friends. Because your friendship is laying down your life for the cause of another. That's true love. Well, the devil is not into that. He's into producing, say with me, loneliness. The devil's work is loneliness. And you know what the stall, the, the foundation of loneliness is? Can I tell you this morning that you enter the house of God and you want to know the thoughts of God? You want to be a lonely person in this world? Make sure you walk in selfishness. Care only about you. Think only about you. Eat only what you like. 
Go only where you want to go. Do only what you like to do. I guarantee you, James chapter 3 verse 16 will come true in your life. Wherever there's a self-seeking, self-ambition, self-priority, there will be all sorts of confusion and there will be the, the depth of every wicked and evil thing. That's what the devil is producing in the lives of selfish people. If you see anyone who is alone, do not question anymore why they are alone. They only care about themselves. There is a singles meeting. There is a youth group. There is a, a place of gathering. They don't want to go there. And if you ask them why, it's all about them. Their experience, their thinking, their desire. And so they exclude themselves. Proverbs 18 verse 1 says, He who isolates himself is only seeking his own desire. You know why people don't come to church? They're not interested in others. They're not interested in a place that's interested in others. They don't want a fellowship. Because and then there will be one direction. There will be one purpose. There will be one spirit. And you know what it's not? It's not theirs. So they won't make themselves part of a church. They rage against all wise counsel. Why is that against wisdom? Because wherever there are more people, you benefit. Because when we have to go fight, we fight together. When we go rescue, we rescue together. When we need money, we all pitch in. But a fool cannot understand this. He has no, re he has no reception for wisdom. He has no capacity to receive. So the work of the devil, the Hebrew words, going back to Genesis 1-2, the Hebrew words without form and void or fruit, unfruitful or desolate or lonely or selfish, these two words without form and void are the Hebrew words tohu and bohu. If you're going to go read the Bible in Hebrew and you go to Genesis 1-2, you will find that the earth was tohu and bohu, two Hebrew words. And it's the fulfillment of all the work the devil wants to do wherever he's at. Wherever he's at, that's where he wants to reduce everything that exists. And so the work of God is totally contrary to the work of Satan. If the devil wants to make you without form, God wants to define you. And I thank God for his definition in my life. When I thought I was a fool, he says, no, you're a wise young man. I like that. When the devil called me a piece of crap, the Lord says, you're a prince. I like that. And he began to redefine and tell me who I was. And he told me how much he loved me. And he told me how much I was worth. And he told me what he had done to acquire me. He gave the life of his son Jesus. Amen. To die on the cross for me. To forgive all my sins. And he began to redefine me. And that's what God does. He begins to redefine everything. He begins to define. He says, Joaquin, you know something? Let's get to this word lust. You lust after many things. You don't know love. Because lust is going to get something. Love is giving something. And you're a lust-filled man. That's why you're in the pursuit of temptation. 
You are driven by your lust. And when you're driven by love, lust has no more power in you. You can't be giving and taking at the same time. Lust is taking. You take the dignity of your marriage. You take the dignity of your wife. You take the dignity of your family. You're driven by lust. Love is you're giving dignity to your wife. You're giving dignity to your marriage. You're giving dignity to your family. And so he begins to redefine things in our life. And he wants to do that in every realm of our life. And, and I remember one day I was sitting as a lawyer at my desk and I said, I'm going to make a lot of money. He says, no, you're not a thief. You are a man of God and a man of God does not steal. A man of God doesn't take from others. A man of God gives others. And so every time you allow God to define who you are, then you're not fulfilling who you're not. And I love to tell men, are you a pornographer? And they said, no, I'm a Christian. Okay, then Christians don't delve in pornography. Define yourself. What are you? Because what you are is what you will do. What you are will determine how you live. What you are will, will make a reality for you in the future. And so thank God for his definition in our life. So God comes to define us. And not only does he come to define us, he comes to make us fruitful. That means we who at one time were not a people, how many were just living, doing your own thing, your own way, nobody stopped. Those who were not a people now have become a people. Now I care about others. Now I ask others, what's your preference? I want a hot dog, but what do you want? Because I'm willing to put my hot dog away that I might be with you and we could enjoy a cheeseburger. We could enjoy some chips. We could do something so that I will sacrifice in love so I can be with you forever. And nothing and no one shall ever separate me from the love of God. And you have to question why is it nowadays those calling themselves Christians can abide with no one. Well, we said on Wednesday the name Jezebel is a familiar name in the Bible. She is a wicked woman. She is a wicked spirit. The Bible says, do not tolerate the spirit of Jezebel in my church. You want to know why? Not because God hates women, not because he doesn't like Jezebel, but because Jezebel means I can't cohabit. I can't be somewhere where there's another person and not me. That's a spirit you have to come against and you cannot tolerate in your life. If there's anywhere in the body of Christ that the devil's telling you don't go there, you know something? Say, devil, get behind me. I'm going to be with my brethren. Because where my brethren are together in harmony, there God is. Where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am. And the Bible says it is a good thing. Look how good and pleasant it is for the people of God to harmonize, to come together. Why? Because there, God will deliver blessing. There, God is going to send incredible amounts of provision for your life. And if you're breaking away from the gathering of the saints, if you're walking in the Jezebel spirit, if you're trying to control and divide and separate, God's not going to show up. But I guarantee you, my friend, you will be in fine company with the, the, the devil himself and all his host. That's why there's confusion there. There's no order. And so we want to bring this all the way back to a complete restoration. If all things are without form, if all things are empty and void and fruit, unfruitful, 
then God wants to restore and define all things and make all things prosperous. And that's where you and I come in. Because we're the ones that have been entrusted with the work of God. To do what? To define all things. To slice the pie between good and bad. And that's what it is to be a believer in Jesus Christ. You're not saying, I don't know. You do know. You know what pleases God. You know what God blesses. You know what God prospers. And you know what invokes the very hell and desolation of the devil's works. And the Bible promises that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Why? Because we are those that know how to define what's good and know what's bad. That's our maturity in Christ. Knowing what God blesses and knowing what God doesn't want. Knowing the image we need to take in. Years ago, my oldest son went around and he learned what, what the, the fashions of this world were. And everybody was going out to get a Ricky Martin haircut. And he was singing, Viva la vida loca. And he's going crazy himself. And he was putting his head up and he was painting a little bit of yellow and all these roosters going around. That's not a man of God. And I said, son, we're following someone else. And his name is not Ricky. His name is Jesus Christ. And he showed us to deny ourselves. That means I know what you want, but you're not going to do what you want. We're going to do what Christ wants. Let me ask you a question. Do you see your dad denying himself? He says, yeah, dad, I see that you don't do what you want. You just closed down your law practice. You just finished your law career. And it's not because that's what I want, but it's what God wants. Because I was doing great. And so he says, Dad, I've seen it in your life. You constantly do what you don't want to do. And I said, then you follow me as I follow Christ. You cannot be a disciple of Jesus Christ. If you don't deny yourself first, forget about everybody else. First, it's you. Start saying, I don't want these, I mean, I want these things, but I don't want them. I'm going to lay them down because I want what Christ has for me. And this is the problem in the church today. We have become men and women who follow ourselves. And we want Jesus to follow us. On our way to go see Marco's wit, we met a family. And we sat in the bus in front of this family. It says, hey, where are you guys going? The wife says, I'm going to see Marco's. Oh, you're a Christian? She says, no, but I like his music. Oh, that's good. Do you go to church? No, I hate church. Oh, that's even better. You like Marcos? Like the music? Hate the church? Not a Christian. How about your husband? Oh, he's not a Christian. He doesn't like Marcos. He doesn't like the church. And he's almost not liking me. And how about your daughter? She doesn't have a clue what we like. So they're all over the place. And that's what Christianity has become. A place without definition. All across the board. You have so many people doing so many things in the name of liberty. And grace, that's not what grace is. All the more the different. Where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. Where there's no definition, grace comes and brings a solid rock definition. It's not something just a little bit. Grace comes and moves all of the heaven here on earth and we're saved by this grace. It begins to define us. But let me just tell you. This morning, as I woke up after having shared Wednesday night's message, I woke up on Thursday, and, and the Lord was still talking to me. I said, Lord, what's going on? And he says, Joaquin, last night you were teaching that everything's out of place, 
that everything is a confusion, everything's out of order. And I just want to finish last night's message for you. I said, Lord, what? What, what, what is, what is the, the next part of last night's message? And you know what he says? Discipleship. Discipleship is the process in which God is restoring all things. And that's why he told us that to be his disciples and to go in all the world and make disciples out of all peoples. Well, you can't be, make a disciple if you're not a disciple yourself. And there is a problem in these days in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3, where we're already here. Paul was writing about it. The time is coming. But I want to tell you the time is already here where people will not suffer sound teaching. They don't want to go to a church to learn what God says. They want to go to a church and, and listen to a nice concert. Give me a concert atmosphere. Give me a place where I can play music. Don't talk to me about discipleship. Don't talk to me about order. Don't instruct me. It makes me suffer. Look at the word up there. Endure. The word suffer. The word it's hard. To make disciples is not easy. You're not going to hear what you like to hear. You're not going to feel good. And so the Bible says the time will come. They won't suffer sound teaching but they will walk in their own desires, lust. They're going to walk in their own boundaries, in their own calling, according to their own desires, because they have itchy ears. And so they'll hold up leaders. They will go over and say, you, forget about the leader God gave me. I want you to be my leader. Can you sing to me? Tell me what I want to hear. Scratch these itchy ears. Make me feel good. Itching ears, when they're scratched, they make you feel good. He says, in the last days, people will be looking for places to feel good. This is not a time to feel good. Things are upside down. Verse 4. They will turn their ears away from truth. They will turn away. They will walk away from a place they have an opportunity to become a disciple. They will walk far from a place of accountability. They don't want to sit at the table and discuss things that concern them. I was talking with Pastor Omar. I said, church is a problem. We wish we could go to a place where they can say, you're good looking, you're nice, you're polite, everything is well. You sing good, Henry. That's great. We, we, we could give compliments to everybody. Church is the place for discipleship. For those places that are crooked to be made straight. For those things that are wanting to show up. Because you're going to be put on a balance. And if you're in a place where they're really requiring of you what God requires of you, you should say, hallelujah. You should say, glory to God. I'm not going to walk in the Jezebel spirit. I'm not going to walk without form, without being defined. I had to know what a man of God was because a lot of people started telling me what men of God were. And you become a clown if you let the world define you. There was a, a moment in the life of David that he started letting his enemies define him. And you know, he started drooling from the mouth and acting like, uh. some of you are walking around like that. You're a prince of God. You're called to the nations. You're walking around like P. Diddy. You're walking around like Puff Daddy. You want his things. You desire his things. You, you want to move in his style and culture. That's not our style. That's not our culture. We have a more excellent spirit. We have the spirit of God that wants to turn the nations upside down. And he says they won't come to truth. They will wander off after man-made 
Listen to me. Listen to what the Amplified says. Man-made styles of worship. I don't know if you guys were here in the 60s. I was not, but I came shortly thereafter. And there was a place called Woodstock where all the young people in this nation went over to a place and they had concerts for days on end, having sex and having drugs and having a concert mentality and became hippies and were living with free love and free sex and free rock and roll. That's not the church. The church is not a place to hang out and have a good time. Men of God are not to tell you what you want to hear. They're to tell you what God wants you to hear. They're to speak areas in your life where there's darkness and things are out of order and they're not defined. And they're to bring these issues to the forefront even though they make you nauseous. Because you're going to stand before God and He will require it of you. On that day, it's not going to be Lord, Lord. It will be depart from me, you worker of iniquity. You like to turn things on their head. You like things in disorder. You like things not to be defined. You don't want any accountability for who you are. In the Old Testament, we had men like that in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 10. And they were telling the prophets and the messengers of God, Can you please stop speaking in my life? Quit telling me what you see. Put blindfolds there and don't tell me who I am. They say to the seers, do not look. Do not define. Do not prophesy to us the right things. Let us be twisted in our mindset. Let us follow after men who want to do their own agenda. Speak to us smooth. Can I have a smoothie? Can I have a smoothie, pastor? You have, you've never given me a smoothie, pastor. Yours are full of chunks. You're a softie. You want a smoothie? Go get a smoothie at Coconut Grove. Lie to us. Tell me I'm good looking even if I'm not. Lie to me. How are things going, brother? Great. They are not, brother. You are out of gas. Long time ago. You're pushing that stuff. You're sweating all over the place. You are out of gas. You're nowhere in the arena. You're not going to make it. Because you need to exercise to make it. Exercise godliness. You need to run the race. You need to start dieting. You need to start training. That's what it means to be a disciple. You're in training. Some of you guys have been out of training so long, you'll never perform. But the Bible says that this will be the cultural atmosphere of our day. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. The cultural atmosphere, that means the overwhelming amount of what people want to run to has nothing to do with God. And so he says, in the last days, the Spirit expressly tells that many will depart from their faith. And they will rather listen to a deceiving spirit and to teaching of demons than they would of God. Why would they do that? Why would they do that? It's talking about the church. It's talking about Christians. It's talking about those people that come to church. Verse 2 says, why? Because they are living hypocritical lives. And the reason is, is because their conscience, say with me, conscience is dead. They, they don't respond anymore to God. It would be great if after this message today, all of you stood up and says, I'm, I'm shaking the dust off my feet. I'm standing and I want to be discipled by Christ. I want to be a disciple of the Lord. I don't want to be a clown of this world. 
I have a calling to change the world upside down. And I'm following men that are corrupting the world, who define nothing, who make fun of everything. That's what a comedian does. He makes light of all things. If you like comedians, you like the fluff. And God wants to transfer you to start dealing with serious words, weighty words, words that when the wind blows, you stay. I'm making fun of your first wife, second wife, third wife, fourth wife. That's a comedian. That's a clown. We've become a culture that loves clowns. They're the highest paid people. We want to listen to crap. We despise men of God. Church should be filled of people wanting to hear the word of the Lord. But these people's conscience is dead. They're past, say, when a conscience is dead, it's past feelings. It has no, no what drives me is the fact that, that my conscience was, was deeply marked by the word of God. That's what it says in the day of Pentecost when they were preaching. They said that their hearts were cut deep. That meant their conscience was cut deep. That means God was telling them something that, that he wanted them to do. And so to not be a disciple in our day, to not walk after this, is those that have a dead conscience. Those who are no longer on God's task. and can't be doing what the world wants us to do and expect to have what God wants us to do. You can't serve two masters. So to have a dead conscience means those, let me see if we get it here, who have thrown the towel. I quit. I'm going to throw the towel. I'm not fighting no more. I'm not going out to the ring no more. Don't ask me to be a disciple no more. I'm not going to try. I'm not going to walk in this regards. I'll tell you why. The word disciple comes from the origin of discipline, meaning to suffer, hardship. And yet there was a time that these followers of Christ were willing to suffer. Acts 5.41. That's a true follower of Christ. Come on, Lord, put that fire, burn my bones. Come on, do the work. Mold me like a potter molds his vessel. Prepare me to be fit for the master's use. Get things out of my life. Circumcise me. Confront me. Challenge me. So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing because they were counted worthy to suffer shame and hardship for the name of Christ. That's why we're into this. We're not into this to feel good. I haven't felt good one day in my Christian walk. As God begins to point out areas of my life that i got to grow up and change and be different. He's going to challenge me to be a better man, a better husband, a better father, a better minister, a better friend, a better... Uh, I was telling my sons last week, I said, your dad has awful driving skills. And I hate it. And God is challenging me to be transformed. So when people see my car, they won't say, and that's my pastor. <laughs> I want to change, and it hurts, and it's not good. It's been a long time, and things take a long while sometimes. But the word disciple means one who is a learner. It comes from a Greek word means to learn. There's some people you can't disciple because they don't want to learn anything. They don't want to learn what, how to put a marriage together. How to prepare a home. They don't want to learn those things. Watch me now. We're going to sadly watch them now. Jesus told his disciples in Luke 6.40, there is no one who will ever teach themselves. We are all learning. 
And just like the pastor learned, it's now your time to learn. No disciple is above his teacher. Quit trying to teach your parents. It's their responsibility to teach you. But you don't want to learn. You don't have the makings of a disciple. If you're telling your dad and your mom what to do. I walked into the Sunday school here two years ago. And the little kids were ages 6 through 12. 6 through 12. And I walk in there and I said, how many of you guys are telling your parents what to do? How many do you think? All of them. 6 to 12. And they're all wanting to teach their parents. There's a pastor in this town who his son, who's the youth pastor, went up to him and says, Dad, you're not cool. You're not to teach your parents what to cool. Because if you become too cool, then you become extremely cool. Yes. Too cool. And so this young man told his, his dad, you're not fun. You're not cool enough, dad. And you know what the dad went? He went out to get a Ricky Martin haircut. That's an abomination. That's sad. That's the state of affairs. They're trying to get the people to like what they do so people come. He says, Pastor, you have a different philosophy. You're trying to get everybody to hate you. No. No. I'm trying to present you before the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm trying to do my job. I'm trying to do what God wants me to do through me so that you become all he wants you to. So that's what a disciple is, someone who learns. And a disciple, Luke 640, will never be greater than his teacher. But everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher discipleship is training and if your mouth is going off twice as much as your trainer you're not being trained we invite people to join our church and to shut up for at least five years why because you surely have much more to listen to you than you do to speak you just got here shut your mouth open your ears Capture men who have been walking for God for 30 years and who love to hang out with men who have been walking with God for 50 years so that we might be faithful disciples and learn the things we need to learn. 30 years into this and I'm still asking God, I want more. I want you to transform me more. I want you to define me more. I want you to go deep into my heart and define the meditation of my thoughts. Because if my thoughts are wrong, I'm wrong. Discipleship is attitude training. It's, it's challenging those attitudes that are not from God. And this great falling away that is taking place in the church, you can say with me, apostate, reprobate. Those that have tried to be called by God but will not have the calling. They become devils. They become demons. They become twisters. They now go and deform all things. They want to redefine grace and make it a license for sin. Without form, void, empty, unfruitful. All these people that want to redefine grace. I've seen them. And Christians that don't want to be disciples and now have to redefine grace. You know what it is? Unfruitful lives. They have nothing to care about but themselves. They're selfish to the hilt. They're lonely. They go to churches just to act like they're Christians. They're no Christians. 90% of the Christians now do not relate to true discipleship. 
So here's the process. We were non-believers. Say with me, non-believers. We didn't know. We weren't believing. We became believers. Now, as we have the attitude to be willing to obey and learn, we are trained to be disciples to then go make disciples. So we're non-believers who became believers. We're believers who understand the heart of God, so we allowed people to disciple us. We are disciples who now are being so perfected that now we can go and make disciples. We could call the uncalled. We can make them believers. We can train them up in discipleship. That's why uh, David was so special in the eyes of God. In Psalm 119 verse 59, he says, I looked around in my life to find out which direction I was going. I thought about my ways and I decided to turn my feet to God. That made him a believer. Verse 60 says, After I turned myself to God and became a believer, I made haste and did not delay to get on your program to become a disciple. And if I'm going to do that, verse 61, I cannot hang out with people that aren't willing to be discipled. Verse 61, The cords of the wicked are trying to hold me back. But I have not gone in that direction. Do you know Christians that want to hold you back from becoming a true disciple? They're called carnal Christians. They're called worldly Christians. What fellowship do you have with someone who's not a true disciple? Not a true learner who has despised the men and women of God? Let the Spirit of God come into our lives. And this discipleship process is not me giving you a bunch of books to learn intellectually. Because we have too many of those. Christians that know it all up here and do it nothing down here. They're not an expression of the character of Christ. But they're like parrots. They know all the teaching. Let me tell you something. It doesn't have to be a man to be a disciple. In Acts chapter 9 verse 36, these women who were believers and allowed themselves to be trained and learned what it was to be a disciple, it says at Joppa there was a certain disciple. Say with me, disciple. And her name was Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. And she was a disciple because she was full of good works. You could see it in her life. She was trained by God. She thought like God. She spoke like God. She fellowshiped like God. She defined reality like God. She was a disciple. This is not for pastors. This is not for ministers. This is for God's men and women. To learn, to love God, to walk with Him. Matthew 28, 18. Jesus begins to speak to who? To His disciples. It's a different message. A discipleship message and a calling the lost message are totally different. Well, here is the message to His disciples. The Amplified says, Jesus came, spoke to his disciples, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Verse 20. No, verse 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Lead them in the way they should go. Prepare them to become disciples of the Lord. Let them be filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 20. Go and make disciples and teach these disciples to obey the things I've commanded. To walk in the disciplines of God. Uh, the, the bottom line is a disciple is one who walks with God, period, end of story. That's what a disciple is. And the first way he's able to walk with God 
In John chapter 8, verse 31, he says, Jesus said to those Jews who believe, so they, he's talking to the believers now. They were lost, they became believers. And he said to the Jews who believed him, Now, abide in my word. And if you really live life according to my word, now you're talking about a true disciple. And that's how I figure out if a person is a true disciple or not. I said, come here, brother. The word says this. What do you do? Last night, we were talking with the church here in town. They called me. They said, we're having problems. We want you to help. I said, okay, the word says this. Are you doing it? He says, no, we're Baptists. I said, listen to me. I don't care what you are. Are you doing what the word says? No, that's not in our bylaws. Of course you guys are lost and don't have a clue what you're doing because you don't read the word. If you're going to do what God wants us to do, we need to know what the word says. And the word has instruction for us. The Bible says, do not accuse an elder unless there are two or more witnesses. Otherwise, anybody could stand up and say, pastor did this and that's it. The church is destroyed. Well, the Bible has instruction for that. There needs to be witnesses to what's going on. Not, not just anybody show up and, and throw any accusation. So a disciple is one who knows the word of God. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. If you don't know the word, you can never aspire. So that's why when we have our discipleship course next uh, couple of weeks here, all of those of you that need to learn the word are going to be here, right? Come on, pastor. You want us to be real Christians? You want us to really sign up? You really want us to know the word? Of course. What are you doing here? What are you doing here if you don't sign up to the time? That God, and this is all God. God is doing as he pleases in this place. That's what we've asked him. So he's speaking in that course. You're my disciple if you know my word. Because how are you going to do the work of discipling others when you don't know what's in the word? I'll go ask you when I need it. No, you'll be like those in Matthew 7, 21 that will say, Lord, Lord, let us come into your kingdom. And he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter. This is not a matter of words. It's a matter of living this life. John 13, 34, we got to run along here. John 13, 34, one of the hallmarks of a true disciple is his capacity to love others. We said it, to be... And tohu bohu is to love no one but yourself. Well, if you're a true moving in this direction, you're loving yourself and your priorities and your words and your thoughts have now transferred for others' words, others' priorities, others' thoughts, the consideration of how others feel. A new commandment I give you, says the Lord, that you love one another. And if you love one another, I have, lo I have loved you that you also might love one another. Verse 35, by this, everyone will know that you're a true disciple. If you love one another, and loving one another means serving someone else, which means going to church and finding something to do that serves another one's cause. I love coming to church here in the morning. I love it. You want to know why I love it? Because everyone who's doing something for everyone is coming up to me and saying, Pastor, I got the papers ready. Pastor, the front door's ready. Pastor, the greeters are ready. Pastor, we got a, a video. Pastor, we got some music. Pastor, we got a song. Pastor, we have a testimony. Pastor, we're going to announce. And all these guys who love someone are doing something for someone. That's a true disciple. He's not the last one to get here and the first one to leave. He's the first one to get here and the last one to leave. 
unless you're walking in tohu and bohu. So this is the way they'll know you're a disciple. If you're doing something for the kingdom. John 15, 8. In this my Father is greatly glorified, so that you might be super fruitful. Why? Because in the beginning, Satan had done an unfruitful work. It was desolate. It was empty. There was no proof of the life of God in this place. He had made the, the glorious creation of God a wilderness. What's the sound in the wilderness? Cricket. Creak, creak. Emptiness. No one's there. So your fruitfulness means you start creating an environment that shows that God is there. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. And if you're a fruitful person, then you are a disciple. If all you do is show up and eat the fruit, you're not a disciple. A disciple is fruitful. He's abundantly fruitful. That you bear, say with me, much fruit. Not like, mm, blip, a raisin. No. Come on. Use your faculties to make the place of God a fruitful place. Luke 14, verse 26. If a, another, if a man has another agenda, he cannot be my disciple. You can't serve two gods. You can't be on two shifts. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, his mother, his wife, his children, his brothers, his sisters, his own life. He cannot be my disciple. What's that mean, pastor? That's confusing. No, it's not. Just like you serve and you do things for the everyone else. Do something for God. Invite someone else to your house that's not your mother and father and brother and sister and wife. Invite a brother to come and share a coffee. Invite someone to come and share time and a testimony. Can't be a disciple if you're not hospitable. You can't give to others if you're selfish. No one's ever seen your backyard. Your, no one's ever seen your living room. No one's ever seen a cup. No one's ever seen a George Washington come out of your pocket for a cup of coffee. You can't be representing God if you're stingy. If you're selfish. If you only think on yours and yours and not on others. You cannot be my disciple, he says. John 6, 66. This is the reason why. This is the saddest verse in the whole Bible. John 6, 6, 6. 6, 66. At that moment, when they heard that this was for real, many, say with me, many, many. of who? His disciples, not believers. They have already believed. Now they're coming to discipleship, and at that point, they say, you know something? That last verse drew the line on my life. I care about us, me, myself, and I. And he says, well, at that point when they heard his preaching, many of disciples went back and walked with him no more. I'm not, I'm not sad when somebody stops walking with me. I'm not overtaken when somebody decides to get up and leave this place. They left Jesus. They left the Lord. Of course they're going to leave every place because we're not greater than our master. Why did they leave him? Why did they no longer walk with him? The same reason a lot of people have decided not to come back to this place. In Luke 14, verse 27, he says, Whoever does not take up his cross 
and come after me cannot be my disciple. Luke 14, 27. If you're not prepared to die, you can continue to be a believer. You're never going to be a disciple. You're going to stand before God and you got problems, buddy. Because the last thing Jesus says is go and make a disciple. You need to become one and then go make one. Whoever does not bear his cross and deny himself cannot be my disciple. You can't do your agenda in his. Luke 14, Likewise, whoever of you does not forsake, say with me, everything you're doing. God, I mean, this is... People say, Pastor, you're too, you're too strict, man. You're too stern. I am not. Wait till you meet Jesus. Wait till you meet the Lord. Then you're going to see what power is, what majesty is, what sovereignty. He says, I do nothing but what the Father asked me to do. Whoever of you does not forsake, say with me, all. all. Pastor, what does all mean? Listen, it's defined like this, all. Everything. The whole kit and caboodle. And there's nothing left for you. You cannot be his disciple. Salvation, say with me, is free. Salvation is free. But discipleship will cost you everything you have. Salvation is free. If I had a church only proclaiming salvation, we'd be the biggest church in town. But I've been called to disciple men. Disciple women. To bring up those that take God seriously. Not to throw some concert and have everybody show up. I could have done that a long time ago. I could have got a helicopter and thrown it up in the sky with Easter eggs. I'm not going to do that. We are not to do that. We haven't been called to do that. And I'll tell you why we lack these days these words. Proverbs 17, 24. It's for mature believers. Discipleship is a mark of maturity. If I have to keep on pulling my keys out to you and, and shaking them to make a little noise, if I have to keep on doing that, I'd rather die than have retarded children. Children who don't mature. Children who don't grow up to everything God has called them to. That's why I love John Manuel. He's preaching all over the world. They say he has Down syndrome. No, he's a mature believer with Down syndrome. He's won more souls than some of you who have no Down syndrome. Because he's matured. And here Proverbs says, wisdom is only in the sight of the mature. But the eyes of a fool are all over the place. <laughs> Everything that moves is their attraction and distraction. Not the mature man. When we were children, we wanted to be astronauts and policemen and firemen and a little red wagon. Now we've grown up. We know what God wants us to do. Singleness of purpose. We are focused like a laser beam. We're not distracted. We know the heart of God. The immature, they keep on bringing stuff all over the stuff that has nothing to do with the heart of God. Ephesians 4.14, like children, they are tossed to and fro. They're blown in every direction but the direction of God. I love Matthew 3.3, 3. John the Baptist rises up in the desert and he says these words. I am a voice of one who cries in the desert. This is our calling, guys. We're out there in the middle of Bohu. 
And we're saying, make ye straight paths. Make ye the crooked way straight. Live like you're supposed to live. Go where you're supposed to go. Do what you're supposed to do. That's what a spirit of God upon you will do. You'll declare in this dark and forsaken world where the church has stopped being the church and stopped making disciples. And you will be not only a disciple, you will also prepare others to go and make the straight, the crooked places straight. The, level, the unlevel places level. Let's stand up this morning and say thank you Lord for sharing with us what a world-changing disciple is. What does a, a, a disciple really mean? Am I a disciple? Am I getting disciple? I'm never going to be greater than that person who God put there to be my discipler. I'm not going to be smarter than my britches. I'm not going to sit there and tell my mom she doesn't know what she's talking about because that's the beginning of a curse on your life. When you forsake the wisdom of your mom, when you despise the counsel of your dad, you're headed for a dark future. Proverbs 20, 20. He who hates his mom and makes fun of his dad, great darkness shall befall that person. His lamp shall be put out in deep darkness. Again, tohu and bohu. The devil's work. I know and I thank God for the fact that in his word, he's calling us to be a very purposefully defined people that will be abundantly fruitful for his kingdom. No one shall stand in his presence without fruit, the Bible says. I want to challenge you this morning that if you're on the road, if you're not a believer, today's a good day to become a believer. Jesus loves you. God sent Jesus to die for you. He's paid the price for your salvation. It's free. Come and get it. It's a gift of God to all those who believe. It's for you this morning. If you're not saved, if you haven't received Jesus Christ, we invite you to come forward and say, I want to give my heart to the Lord today. I want to be known as a believer. I want to be saved. That's the calling of God. It's awesome. And then the call to those that are going to be disciples. I call to you today. The Spirit of the Lord calls you. Deep answers to deep. God has sent a good word this morning. Lord, reform me, mold me, make me, transform me so that you can use me. So that I can no longer be who I was, no longer think like I thought, no longer speak like I spoke. I invite you this morning to come to the altar of the Lord and say, Lord, I want to answer once again to my call to be your disciple. I want to be faithful to that call. So then I can go and also make disciples, Lord, that I would be worthy of the work you've called me to do. The altar is open as we sing this song. good you are good when there's nothing good in me you are love you are love on display for all to see you are light you are light when the darkness closes in you are hope you are hope you have covered all my sin 
are peace, you are peace When my fear is crippling You are true, you are true Even in my wandering You are joy, you are joy You're the reason that I sing You are life, you are life And you death has lost its day 